often said it's a world created by men for men. That's just what it's felt like for so long. Not just felt like, but in actuality, you know, women couldn't get credit cards until a few decades ago. We couldn't get credit in our own names. We, you know, we still actually pay more to get a loan um, than our male counterparts. So there's ways in which we've just been, um, you know, fighting an uphill battle when it comes to finances. Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. My name is Samantha. Uh, it's so nice to have you join me here today. Um, today, I'm super excited for our podcast episode. I have an amazing guest, Britt Baker. Um, she is the co-founder of Dow Janes. Um, but before I get into that, okay, side note, I know every beginning of every episode, I'm like, oh, you're not going to believe who was on. It's so exciting. Um, and I'm not just making that up. I'm authentically and fully excited for every single person that comes on. So um, just because I say that every time, I, I really believe it. <laughs> um, but today we're going to be talking about money. Um, and, you know, I'm a holistic health coach. And part of that for me is merging all of our areas of our life, of our health, of our wellness, and for me, that really does include financial health. And I'm someone who works primarily with women or people socialized as women. Um, and I think it's really, really important for this group of people to be exposed to financial education, especially financial education through the lens that Dow Jane's uh, approaches it. And also, isn't that the cutest name instead of Dow Jones, right? Dow Jane's so cute. I love it so much. Um, and you know, the thing that I love that we talked about the most was shame. Ah, shame, the money shame is so real. I know so many women who are struggling with money shame. Um, and for me, it was really about like, I had credit card debt, right? Um, and I felt so shameful around that. I felt really lucky because I graduated college without debt, but I, I, I graduated with a different kind of debt than many people do. Um, and that was really, really stressful for me, but I also kept it a shameful secret. And so uh, it was really hard for me to say no to things. Um, it was really hard for me to just tell people that I was struggling with my money. And it was also really hard for me to admit that I don't know as much about money as I would like, um, especially because I know that there's this stigma or stereotype that women don't know a lot about money or that women are bad with money. And so it was like, I didn't want to be the stigma. And so I would pretend like I was fine, pretend like I knew stuff. And what was really frustrating was I wasn't living an extravagant life. I wasn't living with a bunch of luxuries. Um, 
but I like was still, I was spending my money and interacting with money in such an unconscious way that I wasn't doing well financially. And that's what made it so confusing, but I was also so scared of it. And so shame filled about it that I didn't focus on it. And so I hope this episode, besides teaching you things, of course, um, really gives you that permission that you may be needing to just look at your finances. Um, I think one thing for me is that I wanted to pay off my debt quickly. And so what I was doing is I was taking the majority of my budget and putting it onto my credit card, but then things would come up or just not even emergencies, everyday expenses would come up. And then I would have to use my credit card because I wasn't budgeting well, because I was so urgent that I had to pay it off right away. But I was actually taking longer to pay it off because of that. And I don't know if that's common, but that's what I was doing. And once I, and uh, Britt says this as well, that you can have $20,000 of debt and that doesn't mean anything. That's a number that doesn't have to mean anything. And I feel like that kind of can really give us a breath of relief, a fresh air to know that we can have debt. We can be aware of it. It can be a goal of ours and doesn't have to come with the, the stressful urgency and chaos that um, can sometimes make us accumulate more debt or just we're so we don't have a clear picture. And so we're making decisions that aren't grounded. I love, I love the work that Dow James does. And I love the importance of being grounded when it comes to money, when it comes to spending. And she really talks about forgiving ourselves too. Um, and having a lot of self-compassion for the ways that we may have made mistakes around money and how that doesn't make us bad people. I'm so, so good. So, so grateful that she came on here. Um, I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. So this episode is with dun, 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 Britt Baker. She is a Harvard Business School graduate with a penchant for personal finance and a knack for keeping things fun. She's been investing since eight years old and has since been making saving and investing easy for anyone to understand. Um, her and her co-founder, Lorianne King, created the Dow Janes, and their goal is to close the financial gender gap and to empower people with money, especially women and non-binary folk who, who we're not taught uh, that we can have the same abundance as maybe cis men are taught. Um, in this episode, we talk about shame. We also talk about budgeting and how we do need discipline and we do need structure, but also we can have a fluid approach. It can be, it can ebb and flow and change and shift and that's okay as well. And also that like flexibility that we allow ourselves, that self-compassion in that sense as well, helps us stick to our budget. Um, we talk about ways to um, track our spending. And she made a really great, um, she has a really great tool about tracking money that you'll have to listen to. Um, 
And we also talk about why it's so weird to talk about money, especially for women and people socialized as women. We're really taught that talking about money is like trashy and shameful and inappropriate and unprofessional. But really, if you can confide in, in your sisters and your friends and your community, even with your coworkers about money, it helps so much. She also gives really great advice on how to talk to our bosses or potential employers for raises or um, other scenarios we might have to uh, encounter with money. Um, Britt is just so awesome. She's so fun. I was telling her after we finished the interview, sometimes it's hard having really nice, fun people on the podcast because I'm just so excited to talk to them. And I feel like I get carried away in their energy and what they have to say that I'm like, oh, I'm doing an interview, right? Okay. <laughs> um, so you might pick up on my very excitable energy with Britt today, um, but I think you'll have it too because it was a very exciting chat. So I hope you enjoy this conversation about our financial health and also stay tuned for a little challenge at the end um, for a beautiful like money ritual or a money experience that she gives us at the end. Enjoy. I'm joined with Britt Baker. Hi, Britt. How are you? Hey, Samantha. Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited for our chat today. And for those of you watching the YouTube video, Britt looks so cool with her awesome backdrop. <laughs> um, so I like to start the episodes by pulling a card. And today I'm going to do The Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein. And so a card could be for me or for you. It could inform the episode or not. Or it could just be a message to someone listening who needs to hear this. Or none of those. <laughs> or all of those. <laughs> um, okay. Ooh. My outer experiences are a oh, my outer ref oh my gosh. <laughs> my outer experiences are a reflection of my inner condition. Oh my gosh, that is so perfect for our talk today. Yeah, how so? Well, I mean, just to dive right into it, the yeah. way we talk about the way we talk about money at Dow Jane's is um, that so much of your experience with money is based on how you feel about money. So that nothing can change until your relationship to finances changes. Yeah. Oh, what a perfect card. <laughs> what a perfect card. Yeah. Oh, I love that philosophy around money too. And I guess before we dive in, can you say what Dow Jane's is? Absolutely. So Dow Jane's is a financial education company. We exist to get more money in the hands of more empowered people. Um, we teach everything from how to get out of debt, how to save for retirement, how to invest. Um, but all of it begins with addressing the stories and relationships we have around money because all of us inherit some sort of story and some way of relating that usually needs to be addressed before you can address any of the tangible pieces. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. And I feel like as I'm going on my own kind of financial empowerment or financial health journey, I'm really noticing the beliefs that I can't handle money well, or that like having money is selfish, even like charging money is selfish. And so I'm realizing there's, it's a lot more than just money in my mind. There's so much that's uh, wrapped up in that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Money is one of those things that, you know, should be neutral. It's, we talk about it being, you know, it's a medium of exchange. Like, why don't we think about money the way we think about bananas? (laughs) And yet (laughs) there's so much um, power and story and um, beliefs that we have around money and what it means and what it says about us. Wow. And so where do those stories usually come from? I mean, generally they come from the people who raised us. We see how they interact with money um, and it's inherited. Uh, And then of course it comes from your culture and your society. You know, how are people talking about money around you? Um, It comes from the media, like how is money perceived? How do we perceive other people with money? That shapes our beliefs. Wow. I never thought about that last one, how we perceive people with money. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people out there who are like, you know, money is, it's greedy to have money or people with money are evil just because of you know, who they end up seeing or you know, wow. what they believe billionaires are doing with their money. And, you know, there's so many other people we don't see who are doing great things with money. Yeah. Oh, I love that perspective. How do you typically work with people to shift that mindset? So a lot of the work we do, so it's built into our program. So million dollar a year is our, our, our year long program. And uh, there's step one, which we'll talk about later, but step two is called heal. And that's where you really address your relationship to money. And so we have a lot of different exercises really to figure out your subconscious ways that you relate to money. So what are the like, what are the words that come to mind quickly when you think about money and just kind of realizing that that is what's ingrained in you. Mm. And then one of the really powerful exercises, there's two really powerful exercises I love that we do. And these, you know, anyone could do these at any time. The first is to write a letter to money. So write, you know, start dear money and then just let it free flow, see what comes. And in this letter, are you, you know, are you feeling grateful? Are you feeling apologetic? Are you feeling angry? Like what are the emotions that come up when you write this letter to money as if it were, you know, a letter to a, a loved one or, a, or an ex, <laughs> you know, whatever the feeling is. Um, so that's a great one is the letter to money exercise. And the second exercise is coming up with your new money persona. So who do you want to be when you relate to money and really acknowledging that there may have been who you've been in the past, you know, whether it's, I got myself into a lot of credit card debt, or I've always overspent, or I've never known how much money I had, and then becoming this new money persona, giving, giving her, giving them a name, and then talking about what they do differently. So, you know, my bountiful Brit and like, she's, you know, gives money freely to charities and tracks her spending each month, you know, whatever the, the habits and practices are, as well as the mindset. And how does this new money persona feel about money? Oh, that is so, so cool. And is that something that you had to embark on as well as, is doing your own uncovering and healing and rewiring? Yes. I mean, everything in the program, Lorianne and I went through ourselves. Um, personally, I came from, I like always had a scarcity mindset growing up, you know, whatever, no matter how much money there was, I was always scared there wasn't enough. And that was just ingrained from, you know, poverty mentality of grandparents, people who, you know, came through the depression. Um, and so really working my own, both letters to money and money persona to get into a place of feeling, you know, there's enough and it's okay. And I'm safe really believing that. Oh, that's beautiful. And your program is called the million dollar year. Exactly. 
Wonderful. That's actually how I heard about you. I have a friend uh, we met on the winter solstice for the full moon or around the full moon. It wasn't exactly on it. Um, and she was telling us that she was enrolling in this really cool money program that lasted a year by these really two, but really amazing two women. And so I was like, oh, I have to check them out. So I love that I'm hearing about this program from you and from her. Wow. I love that you found us through her. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she was saying that it's really empowering and um, kind of shared what you said about really unpacking her beliefs about money, which I think is so beautiful and also like really emotionally charged as well. Yeah. It's, it's a, one of the hardest steps that and budgeting, <laughs> uh, but it's a step yeah. that people, you know, you, you can get stuck on it. There's a lot of, there can be trauma that comes up. There can be realizations of, you know, what your life has been like that it's not, it's not easy work. And I really, I commend the people who get through it and it, you know, it's also so important. There's plenty of money programs out there that just like jump right into budgeting and people wonder, you know, why budgeting has never worked for them or you know, why they haven't gotten their finances in order yet. And it's because they skip this first step and they just jump straight to trying to get to the solution without unpacking the emotions involved. Oh, that's beautiful. And speaking of emotions, I feel like one of the main ones I have around money is really shame of shame mm -hmm. that I don't know something or shame that I'm not good at having a budget. Is that something that comes up for a lot of people as well? Oh my gosh. All of the time. Yeah. Shame is yeah. one of those. It's the word we, it's the word we use a lot and speak to a lot, especially in the beginning, because there is so much shame and it's, um, you know, it makes sense. None of us were ever taught this. And it's something that is so essential to life. Like need having money to get through to, you know, pay rent and buy groceries is necessary. And so if we don't have the, you know, the fundamental understanding of how money works, there's a lot of shame around it. And what we try to do both in, um, in our free webinar training, as well as in the actual program is really just give people a break. You know, it's not your fault that you are wherever you are right now. You know, if you're in thousands of dollars of debt, it's not your fault. You know, you likely weren't taught these things. You probably never learned how to use a credit card. You know, the financial system is not easy to navigate on one's own. Um, and we really, you know, we created this program to basically bring financial education to everyone. Oh, I love that. And the thing with shame is that it keeps you so stuck. So if I don't know something about money, I feel shame about it, which means I'm not learning about it. Or when I make a mistake, I feel so shameful. And so I just stop. Um, and also the thing about shame is that it leaks into other areas of our life. And that's why I think financial wellness is a part of your health. Because if you're feeling shame about your finances, like that shame travels to other areas of your life as well. And so I really think that this is a part of holistic health. And that's why I think it's so important that you're here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, just to speak to that even further, I don't know if you've heard of the hierarchy of emotions, but shame is at the very bottom. And it's because this exactly what you said, when you're in a place of shame, you're stuck. There's, <laughs> you can't get out of that until you release the shame because it's, it's too much about, it's almost like this little like self-perpetuating dark hole <laughs> that you stay stuck in when there's shame present and really, you know, forgiving yourself, releasing that is the only way you can like move up and out of the, the feeling towards change, towards any sort of positive change. Oh, that's beautiful. 
And you mentioned budgeting and people don't understand why they have such a hard time with budgeting. And I very selfishly <laughs> want to ask you to expand on that. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, well, you know, one of the main reasons is that besides the, you know, not addressing the emotions piece, which we've covered, and the other piece is that most people think of budgeting as this restrictive exercise. Like I, you know, I only have like $24 to spend on movies <laughs> this month or whatever the yeah. category is. And, and people get really focused on like the dollar amount for the category and, and having it be this fixed thing that, you know, they can't spend more than that. And really what, what people learn when they get into it and the way that we teach it in our program is it's fluid. Budgeting is, is super fluid. You, uh, it changes all the time. It changes every day. Uh, and how you spend money, um, based on how you spend money in a day, you can then move your categories around. So I overspent on groceries. Okay, not a big deal. What am I going to pull from? What am I going to not spend as much on this month because I just spent more on groceries than I planned to? Yeah. And it's really, you know, budgeting more than anything is about conscious spending. It's about knowing how you're spending your money, what you're spending it on, and is that what you want to be spending it on? So it's bringing a level of awareness to, you know, am I spending money on what I care about, on things that are in line with my values? And, you know, can I, have, can I actually afford it? Like, does this fit within, you know, how much I'm making each month and how much I want to be saving? Yeah. The way we simplify it, if, you know, a lot of people get stuck in the, how much do I spend on, you know, this category that, and we simplify it with a 50, 30, 20 budget. And what that means is you spend 50% of your income on needs, 30% on wants, and you save 20% of your budget, of your income each month. And so that's a really, you know, a simplified version of a budget. But if you stick to that, you're set, you know, you're, you're golden because if you're saving 20%, that's really setting, taking care of future you. And so then everything else, you just try to fit into the buckets. Yeah. Oh, I love what you just said about saving takes care of future you. And that's such a, you can say like, oh, do I have to buy a house or like, I have to do this and like very rigid and like fitting into what's expected of you. Or you can tap into like all that love and compassion that comes at looking at your life, like both before this moment, but also into your future self. And that's almost like a very spiritual practice as well to, to send that future version of yourself, that compassion and that security. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And to remember that, like, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to think of it as a sacrifice. Mm. It's not that you're sacrificing right now. It's really that you're taking care of your future self. Oh, I love that. And even when you were saying uh, like, oh, I only have $24 to spend on movies or whatever, even to, in my mind, a simple switch would be, oh my gosh, I have $24 just to spend on movies this month. Like, I feel like you can do a little reframe there and think, oh, how lucky am I? And it's um, kind of like switching from scarcity to abundance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's reminding me of um, one of the exercises we have people do is track their spending for a month. Mm -hmm. They track every time they spend money, how much it was, what it was on. And then the extra exercises is categorizing whether they feel positive, negative, or neutral about mm -hmm. that spending experience. 
And the ways that we have seen people shift from something that they felt negative about to it becoming something that they feel positive about through the course of the program and through these reframes is remarkable. So it's like, you know, at one case they spend, you know, $300 on healthcare and that feels negative. And then as they go through this program and take on a a gratitude approach when it comes to their finances and full clarity on their financial picture, it becomes, I spend $300 on healthcare and I have incredible access to doctors whenever I need them. And I can afford this part of my paycheck. I can afford this with my paycheck and it's, you know, taking care of myself. And all of a sudden they feel positive about it. Oh, I love that. And I love what you just said about the very, very simple act of tracking your spending I feel like awareness is really the thing that pushes us into any conscious uh, decision-making or action. And I know you mentioned conscious spending. I was wondering if you could maybe elaborate on not only what that is, but why it's so important. Yeah. So conscious spending is just paying attention, exactly like you just said. It's paying attention to what you're spending your money on rather than just doing it mindlessly. So rather than just swiping the credit card and not paying attention to like, where did this good come from? You know, is it, was it made in a way that I believe in? Am I supporting an organization that, you know, has values that are similar to mine? That's where, that's where conscious spending starts to begin is really paying attention to, you know, the the phrase we use is voting with your dollar. You know, we have power as consumers and how we choose to spend our money has an influence on the political landscape. And so if you choose to spend your money on you know, organic food or whatever your thing is, you know, that is voting, voting on what you care about. And so aligning your values with how you're spending is a way of conscious spending. Oh, I love that. And I feel like that active tracking too, for myself, I'll notice, oh, geez, I spend a lot of money on stuff I don't care about. And that this is a, maybe a too personal of an example, but I'm going to go for it. I realized I had underwear with holes in them and not enough socks, but I was like going to Starbucks all the time. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like that doesn't add up. I think I need underwear over like a latte that actually doesn't make me feel good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, this is a totally unsponsored promotion, but have you checked out Nikki? No. K-N-I-C-K-E-Y. It is the best underwear. (laughs) <laughs> intent Nikki <laughs> it's so comfortable a friend just told me about it and she raved about it in an email and so I tried I was like I gotta try it based on that endorsement and I'm obsessed Ooh, this just in so I want to touch on what you said about values as well and I feel like I I learned this concept when it came to the amount of stuff that we have in our house and if the stuff is aligning with our values, but I feel like the stuff that we buy and how does that align with our values really impacts me as well. And just with the like underwear example, like I value taking good care of myself, but I wasn't like my dollars didn't affect or didn't mirror my values, I guess. Absolutely. Very yeah. So, <laughs> and this happens to a lot of people, you know, we have, so we have this exercise where you do this audit of, you know, how have I been spending my money and what does that, what does that say about what I value? And then what do I actually value? And so we have people come up with their top five values. What are the things that, you know, at the end of the day matter to you more than anything else? And then you go through an exercise of, okay, if you 
were to live fully in alignment with these values, what would you be doing differently? So if it's, for example, you care about the environment, you know, are you going to keep buying packages off Amazon? <laughs> or um, if you, you know, it's just really kind of beginning to question your, the way that you both live in the world and use your money um, to try to get to be more in alignment with the things that you care about. And there are free ways, you know, it doesn't always have to be about buying or spending money. Hmm. There's free ways to live in alignment with your values. So it's like, okay, my value is health. You know, am I going to, you know, walk to work instead of taking a cab? Hmm. Um, there are, there tend to be economic implications of the choices we make, you know, walking is free and good for your health. Yeah. Uh, there's ways oh. to just kind of do like a life audit of how in line with my values am I right now? Oh, I love that. And I feel like the I love what you and your partner do is, is really marry like self-compassion in this progress, in this process as well. Cause I think it can be so easy to be like, Oh, I've been wasting all this money when I could have been buying underwear. And like, we just feel so down on ourselves, but I love that you really weave in that self-compassion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, everything you've done up to now was for a reason. And so it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with all the lattes. <laughs> Maybe it's what had you start this incredible podcast. <laughs> so jazzed. <laughs> so much energy. <laughs> oh, I love that. I actually was, um, when I was starting my own debt journey, that's how I was looking at it as well. It's like, I don't hate this debt because for whatever reason, it allowed me to go to school and it allowed me to like maybe overspend on books, but those books really enriched my life. And like, now I, I don't see that debt as something I have to pile onto. I mm. don't want to continue it anymore, but I'm really grateful for where it's gotten me. Yes. That reminds me of, you know, a phrase we say in the million dollar year is let the numbers be numbers. So, you know, you have $26,000 of debt. That means nothing about you. It's just a number or your, you know, your net worth is negative 30,000 because of you haven't saved anything and you have debt means nothing about you as a person. It's just a fact. It's just a number. We can address it so much easier when it's, you know, outside of ourselves rather than something that's really about us. Oh, that's beautiful. And I feel like this kind of leads into this topic, but I think this was uh, your idea to touch on, which is financial empowerment or financial health as a spiritual practice. And I love that so much. I was wondering if you could expand on that. I mean, we could go in so many different directions with this. Um, so yeah, financial health, financial wellness, it feels like it's a term that's kind of gaining ground. Um, we think of you know financial care as self-care. Taking care of your money is taking care of you. We categorize, we put financial care in the same bucket as like, washing your face and brushing your teeth. It's, you know, it's essential. It's essential to life. Um, and as you know, most people will view this practice as, you know, something that's tedious or a chore or, you know, really difficult to get through. And what we do in the million dollar year is really flip that idea on its head and think about how can we make this practice feel like taking a bath? How can taking care of your money feel like the evening that you look forward to? Mm. So we have a practice called the weekly money ritual where 
the idea is that you create a space that's really you know, pleasurable to your to your evening or your morning, whatever, whenever you do it. So you, you know, light candles or pull a card or, you know, pour your favorite tea or chocolate um, and sit down and then go through this checklist of things to like take care of your finances. And, you know, when your favorite candle is lit while you're doing it and you're playing like a, an upbeat playlist, looking at your bank account becomes so much more tolerable than this like trudging through type of activity or this thing that we only do around tax time or you know, only do when we have to pay bills, you know, really trying to bring a, a positive reframe and a shift in our thinking of how we think about taking care of money. Ah, oh, wow. And I love that because not only does that make that moment pleasurable and enjoyable and bearable, <laughs> but it also like starts to rewire how you think of money because soon you're going to associate that pleasurable experience plus the like outcome that comes from that. And that's what you're going to associate with money. So that's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That re that, that rewiring is key. And we have people who actually say each week that they look forward. They're like, I can't wait for my weekly money ritual. How beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. And Hello loves, we're going to take a quick break from our conversation to tell you about my signature group coaching program, the Sensual Wholeness Academy. This is an eight month program for women and non-binary folk who are ready to let go of shame and claim self-love, sensual empowerment, and somatic healing within an epic community rooted in radical acceptance. The course includes eight modules which dive into content like strengthening boundaries, claiming your true yes and no, transforming shame around sexuality, building a mindful self-pleasure practice, releasing body and genital shame, transforming trauma-inclusive sex education, empowered intimacy, the wheel of consent, and so much more. When you sign up for the Central Wholeness Academy, you get access to live weekly group coaching calls featuring embodiment practices. You get the eight video training modules, you get access to our VIP virtual community space where you receive ongoing support throughout the whole program. You get guided journal prompts, community to last a lifetime, and bonus workshops with amazing guests. If you're someone who's ready to let go of shame or numbness and claim the sensual empowerment and self-love you deserve, then your next step is to go to marleyliss.com SWA. You'll also see the link for that in the show notes. So here you'll see plenty more details about the program and you'll be able to set up a free consultation call with myself where you'll receive personalized support and explore if this is a fit for you. So I'm so looking forward to connecting with you on this call. You're so worthy and capable of this reclamation. I bet it feels so wonderful to be able to look at these people whose lives you're touching because you mainly work with women and non-binary people. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Wow. And why was it so important for you to work with this group of people? Yeah. I mean, it's an easy question the, um, or easy answer. <laughs> the financial industry, you know, for so long has been dominated by both men and masculine energy. It was a, you know, it's 
often said it's a world created by men for men. That's just what it's felt like for so long. Not just felt like, but in actuality, you know, women couldn't get credit cards until a few decades ago. We couldn't get credit in our own names. We, you know, we still actually pay more to get a loan um, than our male counterparts. So there's ways in which we've just been, um, you know, fighting an uphill battle when it comes to finances um, Mm -hmm. as the non-dominant gender. And so it really felt important for us to create a space that felt really safe and really comfortable to talk about money, to bring up vulnerable emotions and questions when it comes to money um, and have that be, you know, a community of like-minded people who have felt similarly about not having this education necessarily growing up. There's a empowering. Oh no, go ahead. There's a stat. This one is the one I find most surprising. Not most, there's so many, Uh, but that parents are more likely to talk to their sons about finances than their daughters. And exactly. It's like, it's not even intentional. You know, it's, this is, you know, parents wouldn't do that if they knew they were doing it, but that's just what happens. And so, you know, we're, we're having to level the playing field when it comes to education. And what a service you're doing too. It's not just changing that person's life or that group of people's lives. They start empowering themselves with money and they teach that to their friends or their spouses or their coworkers and their children. And so this one class and this one, or even your free services, your one video has a huge ripple effect. That's so powerful. Yeah. It's, I mean, when the, I love the stories of the women who are like, my daughter watches the videos with me, or, you know, my son really wants to invest now. It's like, there is this ripple effect of, you know, when you, you learn it, you just, and you're, when people are excited about a topic, they just can't help but teach it to others. Absolutely. That's why I started a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That and the lattes, of course. (laughs) And I love too, this is a little side note, but I love that you all have different like tiers of information. So you can find so much free information on your YouTube and you also have the debt, the five days or five steps to getting out of debt. Uh, So I just really, really appreciate that about you as well. Thank you. Yeah, we try to put as, you know, as much free content out there as we can. We have our Instagram, we have our YouTube. Yeah, yeah, our website has some free resources on it. Um, And, you know, there's, there are tons of, there's a ton of free content out there for the people who are self-motivated and willing to get through it. And we just know that it's hard. This stuff's hard to be self-motivated about or like really know the steps to do things in. And so yeah. that was a big piece of creating the million dollar year was you know, giving people bite-sized pieces, step-by-step instruction. So you just feel like your hand is held the entire time. There's accountability to keep you, you know, on track and doing it. And really that was like the main piece of starting it was wanting it to feel kind of like a big hug as you're tackling your finances. Oh, I love that. And you mentioned there's a sense of community in your program as well. Is that right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We have a, this Facebook, super active Facebook group where, you know, people are, we wanted to make it a space where again, you know, talking about money is you know, not only encouraged, but totally expected. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have people sharing, like I got a raise or I was able to negotiate my debt or, you know, all their wins in the community that really 
encourage and inspire each other to do similar things. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's cool. And I'm sure it's a lot easier to do that when you have a community of people who are also struggling and also succeeding as, along with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To feel like, I mean, especially generally people who are um, socialized as women, we learn by, with each other. We learn it through conversation. We learn through talking. It's just like a really common way that, that we tend to learn. And so having a community of people who are going through this journey with you is, yeah, it's, it's as valuable as the teaching. Yeah. Oh, and I love that you made that point about really masculine energy as well. Um, Cause when I would always try and approach my finances, it was from like the like masculine money guy point of view of like, you're a piece of shit. And like, this is what you did wrong. And like, you just need to be more disciplined. And it just like, ah, like it just felt so overwhelming. And also like you get that energy everywhere else too. It wasn't really enjoyable to put myself through. So I love that you approach it from this like beautiful, fluid, flowy, feminine energy space. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I do want to say there's plenty of masculine energy in the course with our like (laughs) workbooks and checklists and structure. (laughs) Um, But absolutely, we do bring a much softer approach to it all. Well, you need that balance. So you do need that structure and discipline. Yeah. It's not shaming you. (laughs) Exactly. Shame-free structure. Oh, I love that. Um, And you mentioned talking about money and why that's so important. Why do you think we are so weird about talking about money as a society? Mm, Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, what's the phrase that, you know, the things you don't talk about at dinner, uh, sex, money, and politics. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, we've been trained from a very young age. And that's just, it's not appropriate. And, you know, it's not appropriate sometimes and, you know, for, uh, for a good reason, like sometimes it isn't the right thing to talk about, but when it's completely off limits, it becomes something that you're then trying to, you know, figure out on your own and not being able to talk about, you know, our questions around money or, you know, uh, like, how are you investing? Or, you know, have you had any, heard about any cool opportunities? Or have you found a way to like lower your student loan debt? You know, questions that would you know be really helpful to talk about in a forum setting are yeah. just generally considered off limits. Yeah, or even in a workplace, I'm assuming. Of, it's okay to tell people what you're making because that's how we find out if there's a huge, uh, pay gap between us as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned um, some people in the community were talking about asking for raises. Um, If you were to give someone advice on how to talk about money, like maybe with a boss or in an interview, like what is, how would you empower someone or what would be the advice for confidence that you would give someone? Hmm. Yeah, great question. So we have a whole course on negotiations in in the program. It's yeah, it's it's not just the steps of getting, you know, getting your finances in order. It's like everything else about how to enhance your financial life. So negotiations, managing partners and managing finances and partnership, um, tackling student loans, um, buying real estate, you know, all the all the bonuses. But um, 
to this specific question of how do you talk about money with a boss? Um, the best, the best advice I would say is to, um, there's two pieces. One is to have a BATNA and a BATNA is a negotiation term. It stands for best alternative to no agreement, BATNA. And that is your backup plan. It's your alternative. It's what you're going to do if you don't get this offer or if you don't get paid what you want to get paid. And it's your biggest leverage in any negotiation. And so if you are applying for a job or if, if you have options on the table, the more options you have, the better. And the you know, stronger your alternatives are, the better your negotiation tactic will be because you have a backup plan. When you go in and you have no other option, you're you know, you're stuck with what they're going to give you, you know, if you're desperate for this job. So yeah. that'd be the first piece is like, if you're applying for a job, apply to more than one <laughs> so that you have options and offers to, to play off of each other. Yeah. Um, so one is have a strong BATNA. And the second um, suggestion would be to do your research. So just know, you know, what is the comparable pay in the industry for this level? You know, have you talked to people who work in similar jobs who, You've learned, you know, what is what's fair for this role, and really knowing, um, knowing both, you know, what your credentials are that you're bringing in, what you should be getting paid, what you would be getting paid in another role, and what other people like you are getting paid. Oh, that's beautiful, and that made me think of something that's different than what you said. Um, but I remember hearing this a while ago when I was trying to figure out what to charge clients, of like you can charge for your worthiness and your experience and you can charge well. And also knowing that your worthiness does not equate to the amount that you're charging, but also that your worthiness does not tie into how much money you have or how much debt you have. And you kind of touched on that as well, but we really do tie our, our worthiness into money. And it sounds like you really teach that we are worthy no matter what, which I really love. Yeah, there's this, um, a friend showed me this song that's on Spotify right now called, um, oh shoot, I have to find it and send it to you. Something like, this is why I charge what I charge. And it is so <laughs> sassy and it is it's a must listen to for anyone who sets their own prices, uh, especially any artist, because it's basically like, yeah, here's the price. Like a lot of work went into this. You have no idea. And it, this is the price. <laughs> um, yeah. The other, the other thing about pricing, and this is, you know, it's probably everyone's biggest challenge who, you know, works for themselves and sets their own prices. It is for us too. Um, and the truth is that you can charge whatever you want, whatever you want, as long as you're backing it up with what they're going to get for it. You know, like the million dollar year could be a $10,000 program easily, yeah. easily, you know, with the results that people get on the other side of increasing their net worth by 80,000 or paying off $30,000 of debt. Like that is a, an incredible ROI, incredible return yeah. on investment. So it's really, you know, it's pricing really comes down to marketing and how you talk about the thing that you're selling. And that's, I think the thing that a lot of, um, a lot of people I've talked to, like early entrepreneurs or especially people who are doing work that's, you know, for the good of other people, it's just, you know, they don't want to charge more because they're like, I want everyone to get this service. Oh, I feel that. And I feel like that's the beautiful thing about having tiers too. Like me and you Absolutely. both have free offerings. 
but like if you really can't access yeah if you really can't access that paid content there is something for everyone which I I feel like that also eases my feeling of if I'm doing a service to other people why am I charging for it yeah well because you have to eat (laughs) (laughs) oh that I have to buy and you have to like you have to sustain yourself so you can keep creating content I love that I love that um I want to talk about maybe common misconceptions that women or non-binary non-binary people have when they enter your program and kind of the unprogramming that has to have or mm. can't talk today. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, common misconceptions. So a big one, I'd say the biggest one is that people think, um, well, gosh. Which one do I start with? Uh, The biggest misconception is that investing is risky. Mm. So this we hear over and over and over again. And that it it makes sense, you know, the way, again, the way the market is discussed in the news, it seems incredibly risky. You know, it's going up and down every day. And the stories you hear about are people losing their money and the, what I want to flip in this moment is that, you know, investing can be risky depending on the choices you make, but it doesn't have to be. And there are ways to invest uh, over a long period of time that take out a lot of the risk. And the, the truth is the way you lose money in the stock market is by taking your money out of the stock market. It's you know almost always the case if you know people get scared when it drops and so they take their money out and that's when you lose you lose your money. But if you have patience and if you know the long term plan and if you're you know you've taken the steps necessary to be at the place where you're ready to invest and you can then leave your money invested over the long term. Yeah. You know over if you look at the S and P five hundred historically it has always gone up. After every crash, it's always returns to what it was before. And so really the importance of a long-term strategy when you think about investing. And the second, I'll kind of go right into the second misconception because it's related, which is that a lot of people think they're ready to invest right now. They think like, oh, I've, you know, I have, I just saved like $2,000. I want to invest it. And it's because there, there is a lot of urgency around investing. The sooner you start, the more you can make, the more power of compound interest, but there are two things that you have to have in place before you're ready to invest. The first is that you have to have no high interest rate debt. That means any credit card debt. That means if you have any you know, loans with an interest rate over 7%, you have to pay those off first. Because if you're investing and paying those off, you're, it's basically like pouring money and pouring water into a bucket with holes. You're not getting anything by investing that money. You're actually better off using that money to pay off your debt because your debt costs you more than you would make in the stock market. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's really interesting. Because, you know, credit card debt has an interest rate of like 20 to 25%, depending on the card, you know, 15 to 30% really. And so that's the interest rate that you're paying. And so interest is really working against you when you have that sort of debt. So you have to get rid of all that first, kind of like clear the slate. That's the first step. The second step is saving an emergency fund, enough money to bail you out in the case of anything going wrong, losing your job, fire, big car accident, you know, whatever the situation, 
having an emergency fund that you can pull on so that you can keep your money invested once you actually invest so yeah. that you can play that long-term game, not pull it out when the market goes down if you need it, but because you have that emergency fund, you get to keep your money invested. Mm. Oh, wow. That's so helpful. And even when you said the word investing, I went, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just am trained to think that that's a scary topic. And yeah. do you think that the way it's talked about, are we supposed to think it's scary so that we're maybe deterred from doing it? Yes. I'd say that's, you know, this is, I don't know if everyone would agree with this statement, but you know, there's a, there's an entire industry that is built off of helping people invest and, you know, financial advisors and investment managers, they make billions of dollars by helping people invest. And, you know, the reality, when you look at the stats is that most investment advisors are not doing any better than the average stock market performance. And it's because people are, you know, they're scared to do it on their own. They need their hand held. And so they pay these fees that are way more than they need to be paying to learn how to invest. And so, yeah, I think there's, there's some intention in, in making it feel like something that is scary and you need more support to get through it. Yeah. And, you know, there, of course, is some value in it. You know, there are some people who wouldn't do it on their own otherwise. Like they're just not going to learn it. They want someone else to manage it or they know themselves and they would try to sell when the market goes down because they're afraid and they really need a, a manager who's going to say, don't, don't sell, yeah. just hold on to this. So there are cases in which I'm sure they are valuable for people. And for the majority of people, you can invest on your own. Oh, I like that. Um, and, and something I thought when you were talking about the way that we view investing as risky, it made me think of sex education as well, that we yeah. are really taught just about the risks of sex and sex can be risky when we have risky sex and investing can be risky when we risk or when we're acting in a risky way, but there's also that. like the other side as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the equivalent of use a condom in investing? <laughs> Or like low-cost low cost index funds. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Love yeah. That. That's funny. Yeah. Um, oh, that's awesome. And maybe you kind of already answered this. So if I'm repeating myself, just tell me. But if someone's starting or listening to this, they're like, okay, this is the year I'm going to pay off my debt or this is the year I'm going to get into it. What would you tell them? Like, what would you tell an overwhelmed person starting this process? Mm, as like the one step they could take right now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the easy, the easy step I'm going to give you is go to dowdance.com <laughs> <laughs> and watch our, we have a free class online and it's called Think Like an Investor. And it really just teaches you the mindset, reminds you that it's not your fault and talks about some of the, you know, the common mistakes and then what you can do to get out. Um, so that's the easy answer. Go to dowdings.com, watch our webinar. Um, and the second piece is, you know, find a friend, find a mentor, find someone you can talk to about money. Cause that's where, you know, it all begins is having just a confidant, having a place to share what's really going on. You know, I have people come to me and they're like, can I just tell you about all the debt I have? Like I have 
this home equity loan and I have student loans and I have like $100,000 worth of debt and I've never told anyone that before. And just saying it or, you know, saying your intention of like, hey, I really want to buy a house this year. Like, will you hold me accountable to that? Giving, you know, finding a friend, someone who you can talk to about those things just opens it up, opens it up energetically to, you know, be the thing that you overcome or that comes true rather than just keeping it inside. Oh, I love that. Um, that's so true. Just, and with shame, <clears throat> um, all you really need to do is, is voice it. And so much of it is alleviated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, and I'm thinking about our card right now too. My outer experiences are a reflection of my internal condition. And Gabby Bernstein has a, a quote in one of her books. I might ruin it, but it's like, worry is a prayer for drama or worry is a prayer for chaos. And so I feel like when, not that it's our fault if we're stressed about money, because like, of course we are with the society and all the things we've learned, but when we're approaching our finances from that like scattered, scared, scarce, anxious place, I think our money starts to really reflect that as well and the way that we handle it and then the way that we handle ourselves as well. So I love that you're also teaching like, calm <laughs> like it's okay to go one step at a time <laughs> yeah yeah there's a um great book I'll have to I don't have the name of it on the top of my head but um really the, about treating money as this spiritual practice having mm-hmm. you know prayers around abundance and really you know, paying attention to the energy of money in our lives and um the soul of money is another good one um and then this one I'll I'll try to send you the name of it but for a lot of people, they think of money as this kind of like, ah, like I want nothing to do with it. And it's so not sacred. And why do we have to, you know, have any of it? And there's really another approach of in bringing it into your spiritual life as a, you know, how do you use money to give? How do you use money to create beauty and, you know, improve lives? Um, so I would love for you to send our listeners home with a challenge or a resource that you love, maybe even a challenge they can do this week until the next episode. I am going to challenge you to write your own letter to money. It'll take you three minutes, sit down with your journal, write dear money and see what comes. Just notice the emotions, notice how you're currently relating to money, um, just pay attention to that. It's your one challenge. And if you want a bonus challenge after you write your letter to money, just choose who you want to be with money going forward. So what is what would be your new money persona if you were to write that down next? Ooh, I love that challenge. And if people listening are actually going to do that, I would also love to hear their letters to money, or I'd love to hear what you all learn. That would be so much fun. Absolutely. We've done this as in, we did a boot camp once on Facebook. It's kind of like five day challenge. And oh, cool. that was one of the exercises and the letters that people wrote. I mean, people would start bawling in the middle of their letter. They would have these realizations. They would you know, just get so much clarity around how they've been relating to money. It was absolutely beautiful. Wow. Oh, thank you for sharing. I'll, I'll do it too. So So can you tell us again, where to go to your website um, and any other, where your class is located, all that good stuff. Absolutely. So you can find everything on dowjanes.com, D-O-W-J-A-N-E-S.com. 
And that has links to our free resources like YouTube and Instagram um, and our webinar, our free webinar, which is called Think Like an Investor. Definitely check that out. It's really valuable and people learn a ton just from that. Um, and then if you want to join the Million Dollar Year, there's um, a page called Programs and you can read more about the program and what's included. Yay, amazing. Thank you so much, Britt, for coming on. We're also lucky to get your wisdom today. Of course. It was so great to chat with you. I really love what you're doing with this podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world to me and my guest if you would rate and review this podcast. Um, you can do that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify actually just created a new option to rate your favorite podcasts. Um, so that would be a wonderful way to help the show grow and also just to show me some support and love. Or maybe you'd like to send this episode to someone you think would benefit from it. Um, if you'd like to tag me or my guests on social media or comment on this episode post, you can find me on Instagram at empowered.spirituality. And on that Instagram uh, account, I also share things related to holistic health, uh, menstrual cycle awareness, uh, movement, um, and all kinds of things. So I would love for you to give me a follow over there. And lastly, I am taking clients for one-on-one -on -one session work. I offer three and six months programs with the option to keep going. Um, in these one-on-one -on -one coaching containers, we really get to do a deep dive of spirituality, if that's something that interests you, or if not, we don't touch it. Um, movement, food, your menstrual cycle, if you have one. And we also really do a deep dive into our intuition uh, and our authenticity. And we also look at things like how much we're consuming alcohol and substances. And we use a really intuitive, flexible framework for approaching these things that we're really taught are strict uh, in our culture. So I'd love to see you over there. My website is empoweredspirituality.online and you can book a free consultation call. But until next time, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next Thursday.